section ninety nine of mysteries of london volume four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org mysteries of london volume four by george w m reynolds the bengal arms renewed wanderings the parlour at the bengal arms is or at least was at the time whereof we are writing a long low dingy room very dark in the daytime and indifferently lighted in the evening it is always filled with a motley assembly of guests and ale is the beverage most in request while to one who indulges in a cigar at least ten patronize the unaffected enjoyment of the clay pipe on the present occasion the company was numerous the tobacco smoke hung like a dense mist in the place the gas burners showing dimly through the pestiferous haze and the heat was intense jack riley and vitriol bob contrived to find room at one of the tables and a slip-shod waiter supplied them in due time with a pot of ale and bread and cheese to the discussion of which they addressed themselves in a manner affording not the slightest suspicion of the deadly enmity which existed between them while they were thus engaged they had an opportunity of listening to the conversation that was taking place amongst the other guests well for my part said a little stout podgy individual with a bald head and a round red good-humoured countenance i've always been taught to look on the city institutions as the blessedest things ever invented and i maintain that they're the foulest abuses in the universe exclaimed a tall thin sallow-faced individual striking the table with his clenched fist as he spoke why should everything east of temple bar be different from everything west he demanded looking sternly round upon the company as if to defy any one to answer his questions why should it be necessary to have barristers as magistrates in westminster and fat stupid old aldermen in the city why should the ridiculous ostentation useless trappings the preposterous display of the mayoralty be maintained for so miserably small a fraction of the great metropolis talk of your city institutions indeed they are either the most awful nonsense that ever made grown-up persons look more absurd than little boys playing with paper cocked hats and wooden swords or else they are rottenness and corruption when the municipal corporations were reformed in eighteen thirty five why was the city of london omitted did not lord john russell then pledge himself most solemnly and sacredly to bring in a separate bill for the london corporation and has this promise almost amounting to a vow ever been fulfilled no and why because every government one after another is afraid to lose the political support of this precious corporation and to these selfish considerations is sacrificed every principle of justice propriety and common sense look at the rascally extravagance and vile profusion which characterize the corporation the parish of st marylebone with its hundred and forty thousand inhabitants only expends a hundred and twenty eight thousand pounds for those parochial purposes 
which cost the city with a population of ten thousand less than the other nearly a million the difference is that marylebone is governed by an intelligent vestry whereas london is under a stupid corporation look again at the iniquities perpetrated by the aldermen in their capacity as licensing magistrates the gross partiality that they show towards some publicans and the inveterate hostility they manifest towards others the rights of the freemen are a scandal and a shame many able mechanics and other operatives being frequently driven from the city on account of their inability to pay the money for taking up their freedom then again look at the preposterous power which the lord mayor enjoys of stopping up all the thoroughfares and impeding business in every shape and way on any occasion when it may suit him and his bloated guzzling purse-proud adherents to pass in their gingerbread coaches through the city is this consistent with british freedom is it compatible with the rights or interests of the citizens Faw! and the speaker resumed his pipe in deep disgust at the abuses which he had thus succinctly but most truly enumerated well i don't know but i like all our old institutions said the bald-headed man with the stolid obstinacy and contemptible narrow-mindedness which so frequently characterize the john bullism of a certain class the wisdom of our ancestors the wisdom of the devil ejaculated the tall sallow-faced individual who had held forth on the city abuses that is a fool's reason for admiring established and inveterate corruption the wisdom of our ancestors indeed why those ancestors believed in the divine right of kings and were sincere in praying on the thirtieth of january as if charles i was really a martyr instead of a traitor our ancestors too put faith in witches ay and burnt them also it was our ancestors who kindled the fires in smithfield where persons suffered at the stake and our ancestors advocated the most bloodthirsty code of laws in europe in virtue of which men were strung up by dozens at a time at the old bailey our ancestors prosecuted writers for their political and religious opinions and seemed to take a delight in everything that gratified the inhuman ambition of kings and queens to the prejudice of real freedom our ancestors in fact were the most ignorant besotted bloody-minded miscreants that ever disgraced god's earth and any man who turns an adoring glance upon the deeds of those ruffians deserves to be hooted out of all decent society having thus delivered his sentiments on the subject the sallow-faced individual was about to resume his pipe when another idea occurring to him he suddenly burst forth again in the following terms but who are those people that generalize so inanely when they speak of the wisdom of our ancestors they are persons who inherit all the old wretched and worn-out prejudices of their forefathers without having the intellect or the courage to think for themselves they are the statesmen who gladly fall back upon any argument in order to defend the monstrous abuses of our institutions against the enlightening influence of reform they are the churchmen who are deeply interested in preserving the loaves and fishes of which their ancestors in the hierarchy plundered the nation they are in fact all those individuals who have anything to lose by wholesome innovation and everything to gain by the maintenance of a system so thoroughly rotten corrupt and loathsome that it infects and demoralizes every grade of society 
the peer eulogizes the wisdom of his ancestors because they handed down to him usurped privileges and an hereditary rank the principle of which is a crying shame the member of the house of commons speaks of the wisdom of his ancestors because he holds his seat through the frightful corruption introduced by them into the electoral system the placeman talks of the wisdom of his ancestors because they invented sinecures and distributed with the lavish hand of robbers the gold which they wrung from the marrow and the sinew of the industrious millions the parson praises the wisdom of his ancestors because they invented the atrocious system of allowing a rector to enjoy five thousand a year for doing nothing and paying his curate ninety pounds a year for doing everything the lawyer praises the wisdom of his ancestors because they devised such myriads of insane stupid unjust rascally and contradictory enactments that a man cannot move hand or foot even in the most trivial and common-sense affairs without the intervention of an attorney and wherever that common sense does exist on one side law is almost sure to be on the other in the same way that wherever justice is there law is not for my part i do firmly believe that there is not a more wretched and depressed country in all the world than england nor a more duped deceived galled and humbugged people on the face of the earth than the english talk of freedom indeed why almost every institution you have is in favour of the rich and against the poor i can't say that i see it observed the bald-pated man in the usually dogmatic tone of confirmed obstinacy and unmitigated ignorance then you must be blind ejaculated the other his emphasis indicating sovereign contempt for the individual whom he addressed look at the game laws are they made for the rich or for the poor are not thousands of miserable creatures thrown into jails for daring to kill a hare or a pheasant because forsooth it interferes with the sport of the squire do not the rich ride when out hunting through the cornfields of their tenants and what redress can the latter obtain then again look at the state of the law generally what chance has a poor man of bringing a wealthy oppressor to justice who can go to westminster hall without a pocket full of gold why the very railway companies make it a boast that by means of capital they can ruin ay and break the heart of any poor antagonist in the law court let his cause be ever so just look too at the privileges enjoyed by the landowners what proportion of the taxes do they bear in comparison with the industrious toiling starving peasantry or mechanics on those estates look at the condition of our taxation are not all the necessaries of life subjected to frightful imposts while the luxuries are comparatively cheap to the favoured few who can obtain them what is the proportion between the duty on a poor man's horse and cart and a rich man's carriage and four what the proportion between the poor man's beer and spirits and the rich man's foreign wines again if a scion of the aristocracy wants money he is provided with a good place if not an absolute sinecure whereas the poor man is sent to die a lingering and degraded death in that awful jail denominated a workhouse look at the combination of capital against labour if capitalists and monopolists lower wages there is no redress save by means of a strike on the part of the workmen and a strike is looked upon as something akin to rebellion against the sovereign in every way is the law in favour of the rich in every way is it grinding and oppressive to the poor a profound silence followed these observations for every one present save the bald-pated man perceived their truth and recognised their justice even he had not impudence enough to venture a denial which he could not sustain by argument 
what we require then resumed the sallow-faced individual at length breaking the long pause is an entire reform a radical reform and not a measure bearing the name without any of the reality i love my country and my countrymen as well as any british subject but it makes my heart bleed to witness the misery which exists throughout the sphere of our industrious population and it makes my blood boil to think that nothing is done to remedy the crying evils and reform the tremendous abuses which i have this night enumerated the discourse was now taken up by several other individuals present the bald-headed gentleman declining to pursue it farther and the sallow-faced guest fearlessly and ably dissected the whole social and governmental system concluding with an emphatic declaration that the community should agitate morally but unweariedly for those reforms which were so much needed it was twelve o'clock when jack riley and vitriol bob issued from the bengal arms and passing through george yard they entered lombard street thence they proceeded towards london bridge over which they walked in a leisurely manner side by side watching each other and maintaining a profound silence down the blackfriars road they went and on reaching the obelisk in st george's fields the doctor paused for a few minutes to make up his mind what course to pursue he was already wearied and a mental irritation was growing upon him in spite of his characteristic recklessness and indifference he required rest and he knew that he could obtain none so long as his terrible enemy was by his side perhaps i may weary him out thought the doctor to himself for if i lead him into the open country i shall perhaps be able to give him the slip otherwise we must fight it out in some place where no interruption need be dreaded influenced by these ideas jack riley resumed his wanderings vitriol bob still remaining by his side like the ghost of some murdered victim they proceeded towards the elephant and castle and on reaching that celebrated tavern they once more refreshed themselves with beer as the establishment was still open in consequence of some parochial entertainment that was given there on that particular evening on issuing from the house the two men proceeded along the kent road nearly an hour had now elapsed since they had last exchanged a word for the feeling of desperate irritation was growing stronger and stronger on the part of jack riley while vitriol bob was becoming impatient of this delay in the gratification of his implacable vengeance but delight filled the soul of the latter when he found that his companion was taking a direction that led into the open country and breaking the long silence which had prevailed he said tauntingly you are getting tired jack not a bit replied the doctor assuming a cheerful tone oh yes you are old fellow exclaimed vitriol bob you drag your feet along as if you was i could walk all night without being worried so much as you are now returned the doctor and thus speaking he mended his pace i never felt less tired than i am at present jack said vitriol bob but you are failing in spite of this pretended briskness you can't keep it up you shall see answered the doctor his irritation augmenting fearfully vitriol bob made no further observation upon the subject and the two miscreants walked on side by side until they reached the green man at blackheath there was no tavern no beer-shop open and both were thirsty alike with fatigue and the workings of evil passions seating himself upon a bench fixed against the wall of a public-house jack riley could not help gnashing his teeth with rage and as he maintained his looks fixed upon the countenance of his enemy his eyes glared with a savage and ferocious malignity the moonlight enabled vitriol bob to catch the full significancy 
of that expression which distorted the doctor's features and sitting down close by his side he said you are growing desperate now jack i knowed i should disturb your coolness and composure before long by god you're right my man ejaculated the doctor unable to restrain his irritation i had no enmity against you at first i would have shaken hands with you and been as good friends as ever i and have given you more money than you've ever yet seen in all your life given it to you as a present but now i hate and detest you i loathe and abhor you damnation i could stick my knife into you this very minute two can play at that game returned vitriol bob savagely but remember that we're talking tolerably loud just underneath the windows of this air public and i don't feel at all inclined to be balked of the satisfaction of a last and desperate struggle eh exclaimed the doctor starting up well we will not delay it much longer come along it is pretty near time that this child's play was put an end to i'm getting sick of it bless ye i've no such excitement said vitriol bob rising from the bench and again placing himself by the side of his companion i rather like it than anythink else we've had a nice walk plenty of refreshments and now and then a cosy little bit of chat besides the advantage of hearing them political sermons in at the bengal arms and so i don't think you can say we spent the time wery disagreeably all this was said to irritate the doctor still more for vitriol bob well acquainted with the disposition of his enemy knew that when once he was thus excited it was impossible for him to regain his composure jack riley made no answer but continued his way in silence weariness gaining upon his body as rapidly as bitter ferocity was acquiring a more potent influence over his mind end of section ninety nine